0: This episode is sponsored by Dive and Well. Dive and Well gathered over 100 leaders and influencers for intimate salon dinners across New York City and LA under the banner Diversity and Wellness to support change and accessibility in the wellness space. Leveraging that success, they are now growing their dinner series into a movement, offering both offline and online experiences, resources and tools to empower both consumers and participants who believe in soul-centered wellness So we may all be well on this episode we have kane sarhan kane is a serial entrepreneur who was named a forbes 30 under 30. he has launched innovative organizations in the apprenticeship space and served as head of brand for luxury lifestyle hotel and residence properties within the starwood group he is also a cancer survivor this inspired him to team up with partners and launch the well a new york city-based wellness club designed for busy urban professionals kane thank you so much for being on our show
1: Oh yeah, I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's wonderful to chat today.
2: Excellent. And so um, you're chatting with us now from uh, the state where you were born in Michigan, but in a different town. Uh, what brought your family to Michigan? Um,
1: so it's 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 actually sort of an interesting story. So a lot of people don't realize. So one of my part of my family has been here for for many, many years, French Canadians sort of crossed the river, came to Michigan about 150 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, like really early on and and had been here for quite some time. Um, And that's my mother's side of the family, you know, French, German, uh, blue collar, um, quite honestly, poor farm workers, factory workers um, uh, that have been raised in Michigan uh, for for generations um my father's side of the family is actually from lebanon
0: um
1: and and an interesting thing about michigan that most people don't realize is that um, michigan has actually has the largest population of uh middle easterners outside of the middle east right um there's a massive middle east population here so
2: around the detroit um,
1: area yeah, in the Detroit area, correct. So, so my great grandfather and my great grandmother came here um, from the old country, uh, from Lebanon, um, and lived in Dearborn. Uh, and uh, so, my father was born here, and and my my grandfather and grandmother were born here. But um, yeah, so so they were brought here, and you know, I was raised in a really small town. Um, I always joke that. Uh, you know your town's small like mine was when you had take your tractor to school day. Um so did you no did you,
2: Kane, did you take your tractor to school?
1: So I did not take my tractor to school day. I was raised on a farm. Um, so I was raised on a on a farm, but uh we weren't farmers. We had a giant garden and, and we had uh animals, you know, horses and we killed our own cows and raised our own pigs and and did that, but we didn't farm the land. So we didn't have a tractor. Okay. With my mom and my dad, they ended up getting divorced and and lived in Lampier with my my parents or my mom, and my stepdad. I grew up in a family of five boys, so so wow. a big family. Of, of I'm the second to youngest. Um, we're a little bit of a Brady brunch. My stepdad had two kids. Uh, my mom had three.
2: Gotcha.
1: All boys. Um, so. Uh, I will say like growing up where I grew up was like a very safe and fun place to grow up. Like we were outside all the time, go-karts or snowmobiles or, you know, we did a lot of like, um, hunting outside and playing outside. We had this old hay barn that was in our backyard that had, you know, those giant seven foot tall, um, circular bales of hay. Um, and they had been there for forever. The farmer who actually owned the farm would let us play in it. Um, and we would we actually over years we spent years digging tunnels in these hay bales that type of stuff and and all the way to like what brothers do to torture each other i got a computer in the fourth grade and became very addicted to the internet at a young age and and just into technology
2: so you mentioned after high school you escaped to new york how long had you been plotting your escape
1: the summer of my sophomore year of high school so um the Odd Fellows, they're like the Freemasons in the Midwest. Uh, right. It's an organization, um, you know, old men who get together and drink and play cards and, and, and also do amazing things for the community. Uh, they had a scholarship program where they did like a uh, 14-day pilgrimage to the United Nations. Wow. Um, and the soft, I, I won that scholarship program in high school and I did the 14 days and I went to the UN uh, and I went to New York City and, and I remember... They're being like, I'm going. To, I'm going to live here. Like this wow. is where I want to be. I talked to my parents about going to New York. They were like, absolutely not. It's too far away. <laughs> I applied to schools in Michigan, um, uh, and applied to university and got accepted. I was going to go to University of Michigan, um, but I found this uh, volunteer program this AmeriCorps program called city year. And, um, I was a very active volunteer in high school. I was a hospice volunteer and a candy striper since I was 13 and and spent thousands of hours volunteering. And I knew that my mom wouldn't say no to me going and like helping underprivileged kids. So it was a way to get me to New York city.
2: Well, um,
1: yeah. What's crazy is the fellowship that they got to help them fund it. Um, called Echoing Green. I ended up being an Echoing Green fellow 10 years later, um, which is just super interesting. I got to New York. Within four days, I had a boyfriend. Nice. Uh, <laughs> while I still had a girlfriend in Michigan. Oh, um,
2: ah, okay.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Not good. Not good. She's still one of my best friends and and, oh, and yeah, is one of my best really. friends. So, so, So we overcame it. And I fell in love with the city and I was like, I'm never going back home. Yep. Uh, so I I ended up applying uh, and and transferring and I'm going to school in the city. Um, pace. Yes, exactly. Um, and and started started at university. So it was a really rough year for me. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely came into that program as like I was like a big fish in a small pond back home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then. I got there and was thrown into just seeing worlds that I, like, couldn't even fathom. Seeing the level of poverty, it, like, shook you, you know what I mean? To see how other people lived and, you know, having to send kids home early from school some days because the school was in the middle of the projects and they knew there was going to be a gang fight that night and, like, they had to get the kids out so that it was safe for them to get home. As an 18-year-old from, like, a little tiny town was, like, really eye-opening and sort of.
2: Given the things that you were drawn to earlier, uh, the hospice volunteering, the working with underprivileged kids, um, I just find it interesting you ended up studying business.
1: Yeah. So it's actually, inter- I mean, I would say what's interesting in that is like I studied business, but like I didn't do a lot of studying in school. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I would say like I, I was a horrible collegiate student, horrible collegiate student. And what had happened was high school was so easy for me. What I was drawn to was I, I first started off as political science um, and, and, was, and was majoring in political science. And, and then I started realizing that um, I met a student named Reggie Thomas who really got me into this idea of entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I had never heard that word before. All right. um, and so I had – and what I realized was, like, what I loved about student council and, and NHS and all those things and, and volunteering – what I realized actually, what drew me to those things was I've, I've always been an empath and, and love help, helping people and, and, and motivated by, and even as an entrepreneur, creating experiences or opportunities for other people, Like right? Like that's always what's, what sort of gets me excited and motivates me. But in those things, what I loved was the ability that those programs or volunteering gave me to create and build and do. I love getting my hands dirty and just building things. I got interested in entrepreneurship while I was a student. I had to work full time. Uh, My parents didn't pay for school. I was paying for school. Um, I was taking student loans out for school and then I was, I was working full time. So I was waiting tables.
2: Well, there's a great Um, share. There's a great anecdote about how you ended up at Coyote Ugly.
1: So actually, yeah, what happened is I was waiting tables in New York city and i had had a couple different restaurant jobs. I ended up at this, this restaurant called Ecopi in the East village. There was a woman uh, named Jackie Squatriglia, who is one of the most fantastic human beings I've ever met in my entire life. And she was one of the founders and the general manager of Coyote Ugly. and i obviously like every other millennial had seen the movie um when i was in the closet i used to pretend that tyra banks was my like crush so like (laughs) i was like very very much uh, uh, whereas really like i wanted to be up on the bar dancing with her um and jackie would come into the restaurant the original coyote ugly was literally around the corner jackie would come in and she was just like so elegant and I just developed this like infatuation with this woman and decided one day I was going to get her to let me work for. Nice. I just struck up a conversation with her and I talked to her and by the end of the night, fortuitously, and this is where, you know, one of my biggest things in life and and something that I believe so hard wholeheartedly in is, is serendipity and having the risk tolerance to jump, right? To see an opportunity and be like, wait, this is happening for a reason. I have to take action. Her assistant at the time was pregnant and about to go on maternity leave and she needed extra help. So she told me to call her assistant at three o'clock the next day. Um, I called her exactly at three o'clock and the next day I went in and I started working for Jackie. She took me under her wing, right? And she showed me and and she taught me so many different things. And while working for her, I got the idea to start a gossip magazine for college students. Right. Right. The Um, Gossip Chronicle. The College Gossip Chronicle. Jackie made me stay in school. She said in order for me to work for her, I had to be taking at least one class. You know, I was an early fan of People, Us Weekly. Perez Hilton was my homepage for like a decade. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was, I was obsessed. People had their like 50 hottest people. Um, issue. And I came up with the idea to do the 50 hottest college students in New York City. (laughs) I took $500. So I went to like my friends at Fordham, my friends at NYU, my friends at Columbia. And I was like, hey, send me Facebook profiles of people who you think are hot. And I found these people and I got referrals and we found 50 college kids and we did a massive photo shoot one day. I understood PR from like day zero. I don't know how, but I knew that like if you wanted people to know about something, you had to get it in the newspaper. So I would spend my nights emailing magazines and newspapers about what we were doing. Mm. And the New York Post, uh, I emailed them and this writer named Annie Carney wrote back to me and, and she said, I want to do a story about your 50 hottest college students. Oh, good. And our first issue ended up on the cover of the New York Post with a full spread. Wow. And we printed a thousand copies of the magazine and they were gone in like a day. <laughs> well done. Um, we did a second issue that was like a fitness issue. And we can Kim Kardashian to be on the cover. I sold ads for the second issue. Where I really started making money was uh, promoting. So, what I would do now is I had all these mm-hmm. hot college girls. Yep. And I signed, I got promoting gigs at Greenhouse and Avenue mm-hmm. and Lavo. And every night I would bring those girls out and I would get paid to bring them. Uh, Um, And that's where I made my money. And I I stopped waiting tables and I was promoting and working for Jackie promoting led to like lots of drinking, Mm. lots of cocaine, uh, Mm. you know, dumb New York young, you know what I mean? And so I was less concerned about doing a magazine and Jackie decided to move to la she was like you can work for me here and i was like "Mm, it just didn't make sense so i sort of found myself like sort of like i'd stopped going to school so i was like what am i gonna do
2: yeah yeah. um is that what you're doing buzzed
1: oh yeah so i got on craigslist and there was a guy who was looking for an assistant part-time sent to my resume he was doing interviews at soho house um, and uh, he set up my interview for a Saturday. I had learned the calendar and the assistant game with Jackie. Like I, I was super efficient at it, right? Like I, I'm a little bit of a, of a hacker in that way, right? Where like if I do something, I want to learn how to do it quick. I want to learn how to do it fast. I want to be great at it. I'm going to work 10 hours. He's going to pay me for 20. And I'm going to be able to do my own thing on the side. I had the interview with Nahal. I knew when I left the interview, we just clicked. As I was leading the interview, I was early on Twitter. And right after I left, Nahal had tweeted, like, interviewing assistants all day at Soho House. But I think I just found the one. (laughs) And I replied on Twitter, like, smiley face or something. He called me right afterwards, and he's like, I don't need to interview anyone else. You have the job. Come meet me tomorrow. Wow. Uh, at this coffee shop finally he walked in and he walked in with his girlfriend at the time a woman named Reshma Sajani okay. and I was like well what are we doing here and he's like Reshma's gonna announce that she's running for congress and I still get chills <laughs> just saying that out loud <laughs> and over the next 15 minutes a hundred oh. people showed up. R- R- Rashma, yeah,
2: who, now. Yes but yeah. not
1: perfect. Nahal and her would become my two best friends in the world. Um, I would plan their wedding. <laughs> uh, I would I would end up picking out their dog. Um, I, I was Breshma's first employee on her congressional campaign. I was mm-hmm. Nahal's first employee. What I thought was going to be a 10-hour job, the first week, instead of working 20 hours, I worked 40. Helped him build local response, helped him start um, ENIAC, which is now a $150 million venture fund. How mm-hmm. Breshma start Girls Who Code. Right, right. She said one time, we're all like sitting around. She said, well, Nahal and I have talked, and we said, if we could, Im- if there was one thing that we would bet on the most, or we can invest in, we would invest in Kane. And uh, that like, we believe uh, he has that potential. Um, and how do we like invest in replicating him? Yeah. Um, and that gave me this idea of, well, why can't there be like a way to replicate me? Uh, right. Um,
2: institute came up.
1: Yes. So I had, and, and I, saw, and, 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 again like right time well this was too early but but what was happening at the same time you got to remember is 2008 had happened yes Um, everyone who had graduated school in 2009 2010 couldn't find a job if they could so they were either working like they were fully college college educated and had like a shitty job or the ones who did have a job often hated it i had my friends being like how the hell do i get to do what you're doing because you know at Mm -hmm. this time I was still in the halls assistant, but he had he had promoted me to creative director at Local Response. I was making like a hundred. I was twenty four, making a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like loving my job, traveling yeah. with them. Um, and mind you, I was a college dropout. I can connect these people. Yeah. Um, that's so And I had a and my coworker at Local Response is from um, Charlotte, Cheria. One night we were at the bar uh, and we were talking about it and she had just graduated from harvard business school right and we had the same job making the same amount of money and she was like you got here five years faster than i did not everyone needs to go to college right like college doesn't work for everyone Exactly, especially
2: for you like structured education is a waste of your time
1: it was a waste of my time and and it wasn't that i didn't want to learn or i wasn't interested in it it was that it wasn't the right format on the
2: job yeah the way you've learned by doing is is exceptional
1: Totally, yeah. Shayla and I birthed this idea, and we would go to the bar, and we would talk about it. And um, I went to Nahal and Rushman and I said, I, I want to do this. And they were like, we think it's great. And because I'm a bleeding heart, I was like, I want to be a nonprofit. I was mm-hmm. so anti the, the, the privatization of higher education. We started a nonprofit, and we started an institute. We quit our jobs. Shayla liquidated her 401k. Wow. I, I uh, kept consulting for Nahal. I was doing sales for Nahal at the time, and, and I was really good at selling this one project. So I would work like 10 hours a week and, and make big commission checks, which was great. We went around New York Tech. I had built a pretty strong community in New York Tech at that point. Had organized a big fundraiser that mm-hmm. sort of brought everyone together. So I sort of knew everyone in the tech space. Um, and we convinced 35 entrepreneurs to, uh, to uh, sign up. Through Nahal, I had met this guy, Jim Pallotta, who's mm-hmm. a billionaire owner of the Boston Celtics. He wrote me a $100,000 check. At the time, it was really sensational to say, like, two kids have started an alternative to college. You don't have to go. We had 500 kids apply. We selected 11 of them, and it was a two-year program. We got so much attention, and we were on the cover of the business section of the New York Times. We needed to raise more money. We ended up raising like $350,000 to run the program that year, pay ourselves a little, pay our rent, feed the kids, you know, do what we had to do. Um, But we needed to raise more money. And everyone who wanted to give us money wanted us to come to their city. Took money to go to D.C. and we took money to go to St. Louis and we took money to go to Miami and we weren't ready. Like we expanded way too fast, but it was out of like necessity to raise the cash. Right. Um, and the project, the product, it, we went from 11 students to like 120 in like two years. Oh, wow. And, you know, That's it was, hard. and by the way, we never had more than three full-time staff members, including the two of us. Oh, man. And so Shyla and I went to our board and, and had to humble ourselves and say like, we can't do this. So we stopped admitting students um, and we ran the last year of the program. Ended up closing down the program. We've had students go on to sell companies for millions of dollars. We've Mm -hmm. had students go on to win Echoing Green Fellowships. We've had students go on to get married to each other. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we had one student who ended up becoming like Bitcoin millionaire. Um, Like we, I mean, it worked. All the IP for it would go on to actually... Shyla would go to ASU. She would end up like helping them create like the first accredited apprenticeship program in the country. Wow. No.
2: Um, well, it won you several accolades. Uh, Forbes listed you as a top thirty under thirty. Yes. Business insider, yeah, like, yeah. Business Insider top twenty-five young innovator.
1: Yeah. The Echoing Green Fellowship, which is probably one of the most competitive fellowships in the country. As an entrepreneur, you're trained to be that duck right Mm. on the surface everything's calm and collective and underwater you're spinning and you're working <laughs> and even when things are going wrong you get trained to only talk about the good It took me years to be able to to talk about it failing wow. right i would always spin yeah. this good story of like oh yeah. well, it went to turn live on and
2: so how did you find your way to uh, doing hospitality with, with oh
1: yeah another serendipitous moment you're very I good at this
2: i have to just i uh, I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm i'm listen i will tell you this i'm the luckiest and unluckiest person on the planet well the key uh, is to have
2: keep having the courage to take that chance
1: but i'm also so like audaciously optimistic right. and so like i'm always willing to try when i was still working for local response i had to speak at that at that panel in the afternoon i felt like crap and i wanted to cancel so bad and yeah. i like thought i was gonna throw up, but i was like you have to do it i had no idea who the client was i was a closing speaker and it was like a it was like a fireside chat with this guy and we're talking about mobile and social marketing and i know what i'm talking about and i do a really good job somehow you know what I mean? Like I just sort of get up there and turn it on and, and I, do, I do a really good job and everyone's la- I make some jokes and everyone's laughing and, and you know, it's informative and they open it up at the end for questions and a bunch of people raise their hand and he's about to call on someone else and last minute, this guy in the front on the right raises his hand. How old are you? <laughs> because I sometimes think or speak before I think, my response was, how old are you? <laughs> and everyone like sort of nervous laugh. Barry like, wasn't
2: expecting that.
1: No, he wasn't. And he like shakes. He like looks back and I'm like, Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm 24. I'm like, but why do you ask? He's like, I'm just surprised you know so much about this at such a young age. I get off stage and this guy about my age comes up to me and it's like, Barry or Mr. Sternlich would like to speak to you. So I go <laughs> over and Barry's like, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, gives me his business card, you know, let's stay in touch, etc. And I Google this guy. He's the founder of Starwood Hotels and mm-hmm. W Hotels. And he yeah. manages this $50 billion private equity company. A little later, I my phone rings and it's Jim Pallotta, the, oh. the billionaire who gave me the $100,000 check and, and so supported excited. me. I'm here with Barry Sternland And he's telling me this story of this young kid he met a couple months ago <laughs> and then he hangs up the phone um but i'm like ooh, oh. i now have a reference i email barry he actually writes back to me he ends up becoming a donor to institute and then when institute was wrapping up years later i developed a relationship with him obviously and emailed barry and asked for a meeting and he was at the time about to launch a hotel company it's a new brand called one One hotels.
2: hotels yeah was- yeah
1: and he was frustrated because the website for his new hotel company, he wanted live and it wasn't done. And he flips around his, his iPad and he's like, Look at this website. It's horrible. How much do you pay for this? He's like, I paid a million dollars for this website. And I'm like, Wait a minute. And I, I type in the domain and I do forward slash admin. And I realize that it's, I'm like, This was built on a WordPress. Oh my God. And he's like, Well, you know this stuff. I'm like, yes, I do. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, I might be wrong. Don't freak out. Anyways, we don't end up getting to talk about anything. He's like (laughs) ranting and raving about this. We chit chat for a little. I leave there empty handed. He calls me the next day and he's like, listen, I need you to come help my team. Will you consult one day a week and just tell me like what's going on and help educate me and I need your help. And I was like. I, you know, I didn't have a job. I'm like, sure. And, you know, I had a day there and then he called me a couple days later. He's like, the team really enjoyed you. They thought that you were super smart. They think you could be helpful. Why don't you do three days a week? And I was like, sure. Okay. I started working in like July and in October, he's like, I've decided to let go the head of brand. I need you to watch, babysit. You're my best athlete. I'm going to hire someone, but just give me a couple weeks. Watch over. I almost got something done with someone. And he never heard anyone. I would come to learn that one of his secrets is he gives, he gives them the rope to either swing or hang. So I became the head of brand and I was loving what I was doing. I went on to open the 3-1 hotels, the Baccarat hotels, the head of brand. And, and at 27 years old, 28 years old, was overseeing a billion dollars worth of real estate assets as the head of brand.
2: Just well, like, and,
1: I mean, I, nice. I basically got an MBA in real estate working for Barry. <laughs> and I would end up being there for four years you know i got to travel the world and we went on to win every award south beach hotel would go on to sell as the most the most the highest sale per hotel key ever in the state of florida the the baccarat hotel would go on to sell before it opened as the highest hotel sale per key ever and while working for it i ended up getting sick drinking sugar-free red bull and i was on adderall i was smoking a half pack of cigarettes a day and but i loved it you know i didn't feel bad at all i freaking loved it there's Um, a
2: rush you feel when you're doing that and i totally get it and it's very addictive
1: oh totally Um, and i have it. you know addiction runs in my family my my biological father has been addicted to opioids for 20 years and mm -hmm. and alcoholism runs in my family and and my addiction was like the adrenaline of work right and what came with that
2: well, I appreciate um, sharing that.
1: It affected Sorry. relationships. It affected friendships. And my friends were, like, concerned about me. Life intervened again, which is how it always is. And, and I met my now business partner, Rebecca.
2: Right. And um, that gave birth to the well.
1: Um, that gave birth to the well.
2: Talked about it, a discovery of cancer in November of 2019. Do you think that era is what maybe led to that?
1: Yeah. So I had cancer in November 2019. I had oral cancer. Um actually what's crazy and is that I actually had cancer before that in 2016. So I actually had, and I was, I've always been super private about it. I don't, I just started getting comfortable talking about the cancer because I've always been so concerned about being like labeled as like the cancer person.
2: I get it. You didn't want it to be your identity.
1: I'm getting more comfortable with it. You know what I mean? And talking about it.
2: I think that that motivation, why you left this amazing job that that was killing you, um, and that, like that groundwork to start the well is so potent
1: and yeah. inspiring. And it did. So I had adrenal cancer. Um, that's oh. where a, a lot of it was. I caught it super early. I got super lucky. Um, they removed my adrenal gland. Um, and Barry was so supportive when I found out I had it. My doctors were like, you got to slow down. You got to take care of yourself. You got to stop drinking. You got to get off Red Bull. You shouldn't be doing Adderall. Um, and I ignored them. And it was almost like I, I, I got off so easy that I didn't take it seriously. I actually knew Rebecca through Nahal and Rashma. Um, We reconnected uh, in the Hamptons, and she told me about this idea she had for a wellness center. Nice. And she was actually going to have a meeting with Barry the following week, uh, and he became an advisor. I was just helping as a friend, you know what I mean? And and I was really interested in the idea. The more I talked to Rebecca, the more I would wake up, and, and I'd want to talk to her more than do my own job. At the same time, her and Sarah, our other business partner, were also interested in, in convincing me to come work with them. And I called her one day and I was like, I want to work with you. And she's like, oh my God, yes. We, I called Barry and told him. He became one of our first investors. Okay, nice. Uh, I had a 12 month notice period, 12 month burn down with Barry. When I started working with Sarah and Rebecca, I was still drinking sugar free Red Bulls and smoking a half pack of cigarettes a day and on Adderall. Um, and they were like, listen, you can do whatever right. you want.
2: Right.
1: Can't smoke in public. Can't have a wellness company and smoke in public. You got to be a secret smoker. You take your Adderall at home. You drink what you want. Sarah and Rebecca are like legit wellness people. Um, it's why both of them look younger than me. Two of the most stunningly natural beauties you've ever seen in your entire life. They didn't rip off the band-aid, but they slowly just started like nudging me. You know <laughs> what I mean? And Sarah's a licensed nutritionist. She's like, why do you think you drink a Red Bull in the morning? I'm like, oh, I'm tired. And she's like, yeah. She's like, well, maybe it's because you're like, nutrient deficient like maybe mm. vitamins she's like why don't we get you on this vitamin protocol and see if it helps you know i started taking supplements and i wasn't tired and then i didn't need the red bull I was like do you like smoking i'm like no it's disgusting it smells gross it tastes gross but you know i love cigarettes she's like well why don't you go see amy who's our head of chinese medicine and get on her table and maybe try acupuncture you know i got on the acupuncture table and it felt really good and amy put ear seeds on my ears and was like just try these and you were like
2: patient number one
1: Oh, no, I was. No, I was the case. And two weeks later, I wasn't smoking. I haven't smoked a cigarette in three years. I'll never oh, pick up wow. a cigarette again.
2: Um, and congrats on that.
1: And at the same time, admitting to myself that, you know, I'm not invincible and that I'm and that, you know, I have been sick and I need to take care of myself and, and feeling the benefits of that. The hardest being like getting off Adderall. Okay. I was sick for months, just detoxing But having the support of, you know, Dr. Littman, our doctor, and our Chinese medicine doctor, and Sarah and Rebecca and my now fiance Danny. And thank God I was doing that because here came the life of entrepreneurship. I worked hard for Barry, but there's a hustle that comes working for one of the most successful men in the world who's a billionaire where you have that safety net and there's always money. And there's another one when, you know, you're three people with an idea trying to raise money. So true. Um, And so... (laughs) began working, you know, we worked nonstop, taking it from an idea to some floor plans to, you know, a $4 million seed note to a signed lease to a construction site to $14 million round led by one of the world's best venture funds. Opening day to 600 members to 700 members to, uh, wait, I have cancer again. (laughs) So I go to the dentist because I broke a tooth and I had oral cancer again it's early i'm lucky they do a couple they do some surgery i do some oral radiation um it's gone it's gone now what i realized is is what i had done is there was a fear and an anxiety that came the first time that i completely just shut down and and what this one did is is it it just sort of shook that open and and i was at a place where i was open enough process it after cancer we get through cancer christmas day the well floods
2: flooding uh, steam pipe
1: explode yeah. causing millions of dollars worth of damage we have to close it down it's it's we've had rooms we're just now finishing the remediation from it oh my um God. but we open back up and then a global pandemic hits yeah, um, yeah. and we're a real estate business and a spa and a gym yeah. and a wellness center and we have 130 employees and team members and we have to furlough 100 people which is the worst day ever of my career um, who are family in a month we take the well digital this is march you know i'm so proud of us we go from a club to a digital membership and we launch e-commerce and we create our own hand sanitizer and we launch supplements. And a couple months earlier after the cancer, the, my board had said, you need to take a break. There Tony is. Florence, who's, who's on our board and, and Liza Landsman from NEA, they looked at me and they were like, there's nothing more important than your help. You need to practice what you preach. You need to take a break. You need to take time off. And that was in December. And I was like, no, I'm fine. But by March, end of March, on my birthday, my birthday is March 31st, I looked at my fiance and I was like, I need to take a break. I had so much anxiety and stress about it. And I felt so gross about it felt like so weak what's interesting is that i had business partners and a board that were like it's not weak it's smart take care of yourself go take a break get out of here you don't need to be here we'll be fine like take a month take three months take a year we'll be here your job is here like you know i had every no one telling me it wasn't the right thing to do. it was all in my head i call it a hustle pandemic like that that we just believe if we're not working and moving and doing we're a failure
2: you had an article in huffington post where you titled why i love women and (laughs) I love the approach you took you asked somebody you know what can men do and she had some brilliant responses but your comment in there was I am who I am because of stellar women and I think I may have heard some of the names already but who are those women
1: oh gosh I have so many of them I mean my mom first and foremost I've never seen anyone who has the the work ethic that she does Uh, Jackie Shiloh my business partner Sarah Rebecca my business partners Beth I mean, I actually, I'm a very firm believer that if men would just get out of the way and let women take control, this, woman, this planet would be a much better place. It's why I've only ever started businesses with women. Yeah, I've had, and, I've had great women in my life.
2: And you have your dog, Zadie.
1: And I have my dog, Zadie, actually, who's, who's my, my biggest inspiration. Yeah, she's, she's the best.
2: We could talk all day.
0: Uh, but totally. I really do appreciate your generosity of your time. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.